Hey, what's up, everybody? I uh, hope you're having a great, great week so far. We're right in the middle of the week, Wednesday, and I know that normally we do the Friday wrap-up here on this channel, but I didn't realize it last night while I was doing TNC. Um, I'm actually going to be traveling this Friday, so I'm not going to be able to do the Friday wrap-up. So I thought we would just go ahead and do the wrap-up today. We're going to call it the Wednesday wrap-up this week. And uh, phone lines are open if you guys want to talk about the fight, but I need to have uh, just a minute here to talk about some pay-per-view reporting uh, that is kind of funny, kind of interesting. And I, I'm seeing some double standards, and I just want to put some information out there and just some insight for some of you. But, um, okay, so I want—I should reiterate, or I should uh, just state, you know, preface, uh, preface that this is not to beat up on any particular reporter or anything like that. This isn't some beef thing or whatever. I will mention some reporters' names because of some tweets that have been out there. But this is just in reference to um, the industry in general and the way that certain pay-per-view numbers are reported from certain platforms and the way others are, are reported. Um, so th there are definitely agendas out there, and um, I'll, I'll talk about some of that. So anyway, uh, it was either late last night or the early this morning, Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, that Dan Raphael, who um, doesn't really work for any platform anymore, and he hasn't for a while. He's, I guess I'd call him semi-retired. He just kind of does a blog every now and then, a personal little blog, and basically is just kind of doing his social media accounts. So uh, Dan Raphael posted a, a blog that said um, the Canelo Golovkin trilogy fight that just took place. What? I don't know. 72 plus hours ago. I think it was around 72 hours when Dan Raphael posted this thing that it did between um, 550 and 600,000 pay-per-view buys. And right at the start of his blog, he immediately mentions how disappointing those numbers are and how it's going to fall short of being able to cover the fighter purses, uh, which he listed at $75 million. I think those numbers are not quite correct. I've seen the numbers reported uh, closer to $60 million. But either way, there was a big, big purse guarantee for this fight. And so he, that's what Dan Raphael reported. Other sources, it's been anywhere from five to 600,000 I've seen. And I just find it interesting that three days after this fight, three days after, you're seeing reports about Canelo Golovkin three pay-per-view numbers where we still don't have numbers for several pay-per-view cards that have taken place this year. And also in, in recent years, I would say more so after the COVID pandemic and the little break from that, that we came back in late 2020. So really over the last two years, now some of these pay-per-views that we've had, and, and, and to be fair, PBC's had what, maybe a dozen of them, maybe a dozen. ESPN's had a couple, and now DAZN's had a couple. Um, but anyway, it, it, we've seen some numbers get reported, some, but not the same way this Canelo's seem to be reported. Now, he is the face of boxing, particularly here in North America. So instantly, as soon as there's something to report, people want to report it, even if it's not confirmed, because Canelo drives clicks, right? He gets headlines. He gets people clicking. He gets people interested. So I get the need and the push for this from members of the media, especially like the senior members of the media that are kind of going their own way and doing their own thing. Uh, and, and some of the senior guys, even at some uh, of the establishment media platforms, I get why they do this. I, I do. But there really does seem to be 
some double standards. Okay. Um, with the PBC stuff, people report, uh, again, they've reported some of these pay-per-views, but not all of them, not even most of them. And it's usually um, one or two people, and it's just a report of the numbers. They really don't get into the profitability of the show. They don't, at least from the stuff I've seen, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm, I think you're going to agree with what I'm saying. There doesn't seem to be this push to immediately jump to profitability and how much the fighter purses were versus the revenue, the gate revenue and, and all this stuff and whack all that up and say, you know, this was a really great show for Fox or for ESPN, for Showtime. Yet, if it involves the zone, if it involves Eddie Hearn, there does seem to be a little bit of a difference in tone to the reporting. Now, this isn't consistent 100% across the board. I'm just talking about a lot of the stuff I see, a lot of the stuff I hear. And of course, you could go into the YouTube channels and all that, and there's there's a ton of crazy, wacky agendas on a lot of the, in a lot of those communities. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, Dan Raphael reports maybe about six hundred thousand buys. He immediately mentions that this is going to fall short of you know paying the the fighter purses, and then he mentions uh, Canelo's recent numbers against Dimitri Bevel, which he reported at, at about five hundred and twenty thousand. And then he mentions Canelo's pay-per-view against Caleb Plant, which he reported as being around 800,000 buys. Now, I get the um, the comparison because those are the recent fights. Those are Canelo's most recent fights, and it's all been within the last year or so. So I understand that. But comparing the zone pay-per-view numbers to Fox pay-per-view numbers or ESPN or Showtime is sort of an apples and oranges comparison. When you look at ESPN and Fox and Showtime, they are part of, I don't know the right way to describe it, but um, the traditional establishment institution of media, the, the media system, right? The, the old infrastructure that's starting to wane and kind of fall apart, yet the... Um, the infrastructure, I'm going to probably beat that word into the ground in this video, is still set up where there's a lot of different media streams and access for these senior members of media to get to people and to get um, just access to the events in general. It's all set up um, and it's parent company upon parent company, right? So there's all these different opportunities for cross promotion and things like that that are involved when you're talking about that legacy establishment media and that whole infrastructure. With the zone, you're talking about a self-contained unit. There is no parent company. There is no, like when you think of ESPN, you're really you're really talking about Disney, right? When you're talking about Showtime, you're talking about what is it? ABC, CBS? I can't. Remember. I think it's CBS actually. Um, but there's massive parent companies, and that that's just a completely different conversation. So comparing Canelo. Triple G three numbers to Canelo Bevel numbers, that does make sense. But comparing it to Canelo plant numbers, that really is sort of, I mean, I get why you're, you're going there. It's boxing, it's Canelo. I, I get it. But there should at least be a mention that you're comparing a self-contained app to a major media conglomerate with old school media entertainment infrastructure uh, and setup. Why do I bring this up? Well, as I've talked about many times on my show, when you do a pay-per-view on legacy media, there's a 
pay-per-view provider, a distributor involved, right? So let's stick with Fox. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's let's go ESPN. Let's let's. I'm not even going to go PBC. Let's just go ESPN. We'll do a third party here, okay? We'll we'll leave Matchroom and 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 PBC out of it. Let's go with Top Rank and ESPN. Whether it's on ESPN Plus app or the actual network or both, I think a lot of times the the the, the broadcast, especially the pay per views, are, are available on both. You're talking about Disney. And there's uh, a media, a pay-per-view provider there. That's ESPN slash Disney. And Top Rank has to whack up the pay-per-view revenue with that provider, with that distributor. They're not keeping all of that money. You guys get it? It, it, I think it's right around half, okay? And every deal is a little different. It's right around half. Even if it's the app, because the app is still part of that whole media apparatus. It's a little bit different on the app but not that much different. Top Rank is still splitting that pay-per-view revenue, okay? And it's the same thing with PBC and Fox and Showtime. All that's being split up. On DAZN, if you're selling the $65 Canelo Triple G3 pay-per-view to a DAZN subscriber and they're getting it right there on the app, DAZN is the provider. DAZN is the distributor. They own all of it. They already have the subscriber. They're just opening them up to the live pay-per-view broadcast. Does that make sense? Now, with the $85 fee for non-DAZN subscribers, you do have to go through a provider, okay? And, and, and you're going to whack up some of that money with that provider or distributor uh, based you know, upon the market and uh, the cable provider, all that good stuff. So some of that is being whacked up. But, the, but to the actual DAZN subscriber, there's no parent company. There's no distributor you're giving half the revenue right off the top to. Also, um, it's a global app. And some markets, it's in, what, over 100 markets? Some markets, the show's pay-per-view. Other markets, it's part of the regular programming with your subscription. So the way all the money is collected is very different. So making the comparison of, oh, well, th this... Canelo Golovkin three fight did 600,000 buys. Canelo Plant did 800,000. To the casual fan, to the ignorant person who doesn't understand the way this is all whacked up, they're looking at that and saying, oh, well, that show's more profitable. Not necessarily, because that 800,000 buys on Fox cut that revenue in half immediately. Sometimes it's even more than half, depending on the distribution, how it all works out. So, in a sense, 600,000 on the zone may be more profitable in the end than 800,000 on Fox. Does that make sense? Okay. So making that immediate comparison is kind of lazy. And it, I'm not saying this about Dan Raphael necessarily. I'm just saying in general, because you guys know there's going to be a million YouTube videos made about this and people with agendas who can't wait to shit on Canelo and put him down and everything. But I really think it's also certain media uh, platforms and and people attached to those platforms can't wait for the zone to fail and they can't wait for Eddie Hearn to fail. And that's where I think a lot of this is coming from. There's an immediate urge to pounce whenever you can slam the zone and slam Eddie Hearn because he and the zone and what they represent is a direct threat to everything I said before about the establishment legacy media apparatus, that system, that institution. These, the app 
And I'm not talking about the Showtime app, the ESPN app, because those are part of the network. They're a part of the machine, okay? The zone is its own thing. That is a direct threat to the machine, all right? So I, there just seems to be, and look, you've heard Bob Aram say things about Eddie Hearn. You've heard that Leonard Ellerby and the guys at PBC say, say stuff about him. Um, I, I talk to people, you know, in the boxing establishment all the time, you know, basically every day. And even people I really, really like really shit on Eddie Hearn a lot. They, they're really, really mad at this dude. And this isn't me sucking off Eddie Hearn here. This isn't me sucking off the zone because believe me, th there's a lot of things. And you guys know this if you if you watch my show. Uh, I've been highly critical, especially of the zone recently. I was highly critical of their marketing, you know, death to pay-per-view. And then here it is, they're doing pay-per-views. I think that they could do a lot more to service their subscribers, especially the dedicated subscribers who have been there since day one, the annual subscribers. Um, they could give a even bigger break uh, with these pay-per-views to annual subscribers, give, give an incentive to do the annual subscription Maybe the pay-per-view, instead of being 65, it's 55. I don't know. I'm just throwing something out there. But I've talked about the shoulder programming being very, very poor. The, the messaging and marketing being very, very poor at times and almost insulting to the subscriber. Um, real quick, I won't dwell, I won't go too far down this rabbit hole, but I have to bring this up because I just want to make it very, very clear. This isn't me being a pom-pom waver for the zone. I'm very critical of certain things. But the people running their social media and the people, some of the people behind the scenes in the production side of things, the, the management side of things, are more interested in pushing, um, I'm just going to call this out, social justice, woke kind of ideology on their social media and stuff and, and virtue signaling more so than, than marketing to the demographics who are actually buying and paying for this shit. Um, <clears throat> and when I say demographics, I'm talking about the diehard boxing fans right? From different parts of the world, different parts of the country, different communities. But I remember during Gay Pride Month, uh, zone changed their um, their profile picture to the gay flag, which, cool, if that's what you want to do, like, awesome. Are there gay boxing fans? Sure there are. Do they deserve equal treatment and respect and everything? Absolutely. Everybody's money's green. I get it, okay? But if we're being honest, the gay boxing fan market constitutes maybe a fraction of a percent of the overall boxing fan base. That sort of virtue signaling, while I'm cool with it, if that's what you, cool, man, do what you want to do. But I haven't seen that same virtue signaling for other groups that constitute a much larger portion of the overall consumer that's, that's actually paying for your app. I'm not seeing equal representation with the, changing of the profile picture colors and all this stuff month after month after month, because there are a lot of different pride months and, and heritage months and things like that. Right. Uh, there are a lot of different national holidays here in America and stuff. I'm not seeing a lot of American flag profile pictures. So, so I bring this up just to once again, reiterate that some of the decisions the zone has made from a marketing standpoint, uh, standpoint, from a promotional standpoint, and from a value standpoint, uh, has been questionable at times. And maybe not servicing the diehard boxing fan base, okay? I just want to bring that up because, again, I don't want this to be, oh, Montero's just pom-pom waving for zone. 
Having said all that, I do recognize that top to bottom, they probably do provide the best value in at least in the United States, but also in other markets for boxing fans. You pay the annual subscription. Yeah, you got to pay extra for Canelo fights, but top to bottom, you're you're being provided with more content, at least actual boxing cards than the other platforms are giving you for your subscription. So I recognize that while heavily flawed, they are providing some value. Um, I just wanted to bring up the, the pay-per-view stuff again. Let's let's jump back to that. Sorry for that tangent. Let's stick with Dan Raphael's number, okay? Let's go with like 550000 And let's assume that uh, we're going with the $65 price tag. We won't include the $85 because let's just assume that from that $85 price tag, 20 bucks of that at least is going to a distributor, a provider. If we stick with Dan Raphael's 550,000 number um, times 65 bucks, that's right around $35 million in revenue, okay? Let's stick with that number, $35 million in revenue. Let's talk about uh, the gate, the live gate revenue. You're talking about 19,000 tickets sold. I think that's what we reported. If the average ticket was a thousand bucks, it was actually more because like nosebleeds were 700 bucks, but that that comes out to 20 million in revenue. Okay, let's let's. I'm, I want to try to just use broad conservative numbers. So 35 million in pay per view revenue, 20 million dollars in uh, live gate revenue. You're at 55 million. According to Dan Raphael, they had to pay out 75 million in fighter purses. Holy shit, they're down 20 million dollars, right? And that's what's being tweeted out there. It's what I saw this morning. That's what some of the paper, uh, the uh, YouTube channels are going to be talking about. You guys are forgetting a lot of revenue streams. A lot. First of all, let's start with the fact that this was in an MGM property, right? This was at um, the T-Mobile Arena, which is owned by MGM. MGM owns like basically two-thirds of Las Vegas, a lot of the property on the Strip. They pay a site fee to bring the fight to their venue, okay? And depending on the act, some of these site fees are massive, it's not just in Vegas. I mean, you guys have seen massive site fees in Saudi Arabia for some recent fights, tens of millions of dollars, you know, crazy, crazy site fees. And uh, they're getting even crazier, the site fees. Promoters love it because it's guaranteed money. Before they sell one ticket, before they sell one pay-per-view buy, it's just money that the casino is giving them. It's usually a casino, not always, but usually a casino. So there was a, a, a site fee here. And for Canelo Alvarez, he's going to bring whales in. MGM, they open up their checkbook for Canelo Alvarez because they're going to get a lot of the whales flying in internationally. And that's what the casinos want. That's how they make their money. They don't make their money on regular guys like us going to Vegas and playing the penny slots or the nickel slots. They make their money off of whales. You get whales to come out for these big events, Right. And maybe you comp them a ticket to the fight if you're the casino or you comp them a room, but you know they're going down to the craps tables or whatever, and they're going to drop 500 grand in a weekend. These people really do that. It's crazy. I've talked to some of these casino executives, and it's nuts the numbers these guys are dealing with. So let's just say, and I don't know what the site fee is, but let's just say $10 million. $10 million to bring this fight. And I should also mention that there is a site fee for a Canelo plant. Site fee for Canelo Bivol because they're all in Vegas, right? And again, they open up their checkbooks for Canelo. But if you're paying a certain amount for Canelo Plant, Canelo Bivol, you're obviously going to pay a bigger site fee for Canelo Golovkin because Golovkin's a much bigger commodity than Plant and Bivol. So there is 
probably a pretty nice chunky site fee for this fight. Let's call it 10 million. So now you're at 65 million. You're still short 10 million, according to Dan Raphael's reporting. If you really believe the 75 million in purse guarantees, which I don't, more about that in a second. But um, you're still missing money. What are we missing? Well, let's factor in merchandising. Let's factor in sponsorships. By the way, sponsorships, that's global, right? It's, it, it's not just American companies sponsoring things. It's all the Mexican companies coming in, all the companies from Eastern Europe, Central Asia, different parts of Europe for Golovkin. These are two big fighters globally. So there's sponsorship money, there's merchandising. But then also, how about ad revenue? Now, I bitched about the ads during the pay-per-view. I, I hate that look. I hate it. But I fully recognize that that's revenue for the promotion. And they weren't just doing ad revenue. I'm sorry, they weren't just doing ads on the pay-per-view here in America. DAZN, which is in over 100 countries, was doing ads on every single broadcast of this fight in every single market that it's in. So all of that global ad revenue, we're not just talking about ads on a Fox pay-per-view here in America. We're talking about global ad revenue in over 100 different countries. That's going to bring in several million. And then also this was shown in movie theaters here in the United States and in, in different, um, <clears throat> I, I think it, Fathom Events did it, but I think it was a couple different companies actually distributed to fight at movie theaters. There's some additional revenue. Between all of those streams, you're probably talking at least another $10 million. So boom, now we're at the 75 million that Dan Raphael reported. We're still missing a key element here. You guys know where I'm going? International money, international um, broadcast rights. Now, it's on the zone in most markets, but not all markets. There are some markets. I mean, they just did the uh, Joshua Usyk rematch. And over in the UK, that was on Sky because Sky paid more money and the, the promoter, Matrim, said, shit, they're paying so much money for this. Well, let's just go with that. Everybody wanted that fight. ESPN actually put in a bid. So it's not the zone in every market. So some of the foreign TV money that's coming in, that's additional revenue. Um, <clears throat> and again, when DAZN does air this in other markets, they're keeping all the ad revenue. They're not whacking that up. If, if you do a promotion, a, like if you're a promoter here in America, and let's say a Polish TV network, Polstat, wants to pay you, let's just say a million dollars to air the fight in Poland. Okay, cool. Well, that's a flat fee. You're not getting any ad revenue from that. You're just getting that, that fee. It's almost like a site fee from the network. Okay, cool. But if you own the network, which DAZN does in over 100 markets, you keep all that ad revenue for yourself. So I just wanted to put in your guys' mind all these different revenue streams, okay? People will just look at the pay-per-view numbers in the live gate and say, oh, well, this, this didn't make enough. Dude, there's all these other streams, particularly when you're talking on a global scale, and this was very much a global fight, maybe not as big in America as the first two, but globally, Canelo, obviously, he's a massive star in Mexico, but he is a star throughout the world. Pretty big star here in America, too, now. Uh, same with Golovkin, though. Not nearly as big of a star as Canelo. I'm not saying that. But he's still a top five brand globally 
in all of boxing. He just had a fight in Japan earlier, earlier this year that did massive numbers. And that was an eight-figure payday for him and his opponent. So um, all of that combined makes for a, a profitable show. Make no mistake, even if you believe Dan Raphael's reporting, Canelo Golovkin 3 on a global basis, global scale, was a profitable show. Now here's the rub. Lance Pugmire. I should mention that Eddie Hearn, by the way, said that uh, Dan Raphael's reporting was bullshit. It said it right to him on Twitter. And not just on that, but on a couple other things. Dan isn't having the best 24 to 48 hours. And it's all good, man. We all have those times. I've had plenty of them. <laughs> so I, I I had a pretty bad week a few weeks ago. Um, so again, this isn't beating up on Dan. But Lance Pugmire of the LA Times tweeted out that a source directly from the zone, from the zone, told him that this fight did over a million pay-per-view buys. Still a little bit short of what it did on HBO. The first one, I think, did 1.3. The second one did 1.1. But um, apparently, according to Lance Pugmire, this one did like just slightly over 1 million, just short of 1.1 million, okay? So again, taking into account what I said before about splitting in pay-per-view distribution and whacking up the money, 1.1. 0.5 on the zone, much more profitable for the promotion than 1.3 million on HBO. You guys get what I'm saying? So do you believe Lance Pugmire's number or do you believe Dan Raphael's number? Maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle, but I will say this. If we whack the difference in half and say it was 800,000, that adds 15 million in revenue to the estimate I just brought up. So that makes this show very profitable, okay? So depending on how the numbers come out and stuff, I'm just saying, depending on who you believe, it did anywhere from half a million to over a million pay-per-view buys. That's a major issue in American boxing media, specifically American media, but pretty much all of boxing media. Um, the vast varying uh, numbers and reports that you get on this kind of stuff because people come with agendas. You know, um, I've seen some people that immediately looked at Lance Pugmire's tweet and said, oh, well, this is including the international viewership. That's why. Listen, this was pay-per-view here in America. Globally, the global viewership for this was in the millions, like millions upon millions. It wasn't just over a million globally watching this. So um, that is completely incorrect. But I felt the need to talk about this real quick because, I, I, again, I do see differences in the way these things are reported. Real quick, I just want to talk about these guaranteed purses that you guys see out there, right? Guarantees. Um, a lot of times, they're not necessarily completely wrong, but the way it's being reported, it's leaving out substantial details. So just to give you a quick insight into this. I've talked about this on my show too. But if me, Michael Montero, if I sign a contract, a five-fight deal with Top Rank, and they offer me $10 million guaranteed per fight, five-fight deal, the media is going to take that and say, Michael Montero signs $50 million contract with Top Rank. That's the way it's going to be reported in media. But here's the truth behind that $50 million guarantee. There are dozens of stipulations. There are thresholds that have to be met and there are boxes that have to be checked. So really what it breaks down to is like a $3 million flat fee 
plus a bunch of incentives. If we hit <clears throat> certain um, viewership, uh, certain um, subscribership, if it's on an app or something like that, uh, certain pay-per-view buys, if it's a pay-per-view. Um, and then there's international rights and fees that are included in this and, and how all that whacks up. And I get maybe a portion of that. If that hits certain thresholds and stuff in certain markets, maybe some international markets, I don't get any of the money. Maybe some international markets, I get 50%, whatever, right? All this gets whacked up. And then what, what ends up happening is I can earn up to $10 million guaranteed plus pay-per-view incentive and all that, maybe even more than $10 million. But the $10 million guarantee is dependent on a bunch of different things. And it's not as simple as, oh, Mike, you can go fight the peanut vendor working at MGM Grand, the guy selling the fucking peanuts. You can go fight him and you could do all five fights in one year and you get 50 million bucks. That's not how it works. It's got to be an opponent chosen by the, the promotion that they feel they can market to and, and everything else. These deals are very complicated when you're talking about that kind of money, right? And then um, it, it might be like, well, you, you're guaranteed one fight a year at this rate, maximum of two fights a year at this rate. If you want to fight three times, we're going to cut this guarantee in half. And after three years, if you haven't done all five fights, we have the right to cancel the contract, et cetera, et cetera. There are all these appendixes in the contract. That doesn't get reported in media. So when you see that Canelo Alvarez was supposedly getting $45 million for this fight. Now, look, sometimes there really are contracts where they're like, here, dude, here's a check for 40 mil. You're good. You, you can fight the, the dude, the you know, $5 an hour t-shirt dude out in the parking lot. You could fight him. Here's 40 million bucks. Boom. Sometimes there are contracts like that. But 99% of the time, there are at least some stipulations in that contract with certain thresholds and things like that, that whack up that guaranteed money. And so to just say Canelo gets 45 million, it's a little bit misleading. All right. And I just want to put that out there because again, with the reports of this show and how it all breaks down profitability wise, some of those things aren't factored into the reporting. Why? I don't necessarily blame the media for this, but it what looks sexier? Michael Montero gets a, you know, a few million dollars plus all the upside if these 62 stipulations are met you know, within a calendar year. Or Michael Montero signs $50 million deal with top rank. What looks sexier? What's the sexier headline? What's going to drive more clicks? You guys already know the answer, right? That's why it's reported that way. <clears throat> all right. Media always pads the numbers. It's just like when they're listing these guys' height. They always add an inch. They always had an inch, sometimes two. <laughs> uh, let's see, Sam with the super chat. Thank you, brother. He says, and the fights were boring except bam, fight, brawl. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that yesterday, right? The, the, the main event was uh, underwhelming. Um, I guess the, the co-main really was the fight of the night, and the scorecards of the co-main were shit. The scorecards of the main event were not very good. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot that – there's a lot um, to complain about. But numbers are numbers and they don't lie unless the people reporting the numbers are lying. And that's the point to this video. It's not necessarily about the fight itself. All right. <clears throat> 
Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's jump to. Oh, I thought we had some calls. Damn. Uh, a couple of you guys dropped. Okay. Well, look, guys. I'm done with my rant. If you want to call in real quick, you can. I'm not going to be able to do a Friday wrap up for those of you who just jumped on, but I can jump to the chat here and get a couple of these comments. Uh, Trent Nam Perea, what's up, Trent? He says media love to pad the numbers. Yup. Yup. Uh, Joe says uh, Dan Raphael is not credible. I would I wouldn't say that. Joe, uh, and again, this isn't a video designed to beat up on Dan, Dan Raphael. I mentioned Mike Coppinger yesterday. I mentioned Dan and Lance Pugmire today. Um, everybody gets some things wrong. I think that the, the issue is people jumping the gun, reporting some of this stuff as if it's confirmed, legit, um, because they want to be first. I think that's that's, generally speaking, the issue. It's just like last week, Cop tweeted about, Crawford Spence for the 475th time. And here we are a week later, that fight's still not official. It's still not announced. Supposedly it's supposed to take place November 19th. That's less than two months away. So if the fight doesn't happen November 19th, cops going to look dumb again, and it won't be the first time, but cop really doesn't care about that. He'll take those hits because his main interest is to drive clicks and viewership for ESPN social boxing social media in their boxing site. And he does that with his reports. So in that sense, he's doing his job. But if Coppinger tweets about a fight being put together, I kind of take it as, well, this is a rumor. I don't look at it as breaking news. It's reported as breaking news, but I don't look at the fight being signed. Like when, when Terrence Crawford tweets about it, like, yo, it's on November 19th, I can't wait. Or Errol Spence tweets about it, you know, I can't wait to get in the ring with, with Bud. When those guys report about it, okay, now the fight's official. Now we can talk about it. But until then, rumors. It's just rumors. By the way, that's a lot of the pay-per-view numbers shit too. It's kind of the point of this video. Hawker Mustang says, I heard Canelo got 40 million in Triple G, 20 million, probably more fake boxing news. No, dude, those are the numbers I heard. I heard that the combined guaranteed purses for this were closer to 60 million. So once again, if you go to the numbers that I broke down, even taking Dan Raphael's, you know, half a million or so pay-per-view buys, it's still a profitable show. And those guys are going to get paid more than that because of the upside I'm talking about. If it really did closer to a million, this was a very profitable show. And um kind of a dagger in the heart of that establishment media I was talking about, because if a privately owned app is doing substantially more pay-per-view buys than fights on Fox, Showtime, ESPN, this isn't just beating up on PBC. They're just the ones doing a billion pay-per-views, but look guys, uh, top rank in ESPN did Tyson Fury, Dillian White. Those numbers were never released. The, the media couldn't, you know, they couldn't wait to report Canelo's numbers you telling me Tyson Fury isn't a top two or three boxing, or I'm sorry, not top three, definitely top five boxing brand. They never reported his numbers. See what I'm saying? It's just a double standard. It's just a double standard here. Why? Because Fury fought on ESPN, and that's part of that establishment. And there just seems to be a push to get the zone out of business, to get Eddie Hearn out of the American boxing market. Um, I, it's just what I see. <clears throat> Israel Cano Jr. says, I had Canelo winning nine to three, sadly. That's the exact same score I had, Israel. And, and 
you know, if we're going to sit here and talk about pay-per-view numbers, I guess I could talk about uh, the fight itself real quick. I mean, I did a whole rant on it yesterday, but I'm seeing more and more people doubling down that, oh, this was a draw. This was, you know, a razor close fight. And then you're seeing these carefully edited videos trying to make the fight look closer than it was with punches. Guys, Canelo Alvarez won this fucking fight. That's it. And I'd hardly be accused of a Golo being a Golovkin hater. I mean, anybody out there who calls me a Triple G hater is a fucking moron. And you, hello, were you there in 2017 when I stuck it to the fucking machine? I was the guy sticking it to the fucking machine after Adelaide Bird's scorecard, right? The only one. Other people talked, but I was the only one who talked with the fucking microphone in my hand. Um, so if you're calling me a Golovkin hater because I scored this fight for Canelo, you're a fucking moron. That's the last thing I am. But I scored this 117-111 for Canelo. And that's being generous. I don't see how you give Golovkin more than three rounds. And I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling you guys what I saw. <clears throat> Vic B with the super chat. Thank you so much, Vic. Appreciate it. Vic says, uh, PBC Showtime have been mostly non-existent this year. Off of pay-per-view, yeah. They've been they've existed with a lot of pay-per-views. We're not getting consistent reporting on those pay-per-view numbers. I've noticed that. But yeah, if you're just a regular Showtime subscriber, a regular, especially Fox, like you're not getting anything. At least on Showtime, we got that Charlo Castaño rematch. That was a good fight. We also got um, Fundora uh, Lubin. That was a good fight. We got some good fights on Showtime this year. But um, man, most of their best fights are going to uh, freaking pay-per-view. <clears throat> All right, let's see here. Ace says talks of Canelo decline, but not enough are talking about what he said about injuries and resting his body. Yeah. Ace, I think the talks of Canelo's decline are really exaggerated. I think that Canelo was really busy fighting naturally larger guys, even though they weren't very good. They weren't elite. How about that? They were good, but not elite. Um, his body's a little beat up. He's done some questionable things in terms of the way he's treated his body, allegedly, according to Vada. I'll just leave that alone. Those sorts of things will damage your body prematurely. Um, but he probably does need a rest. He's not going to fight until Cinco de Mayo 2023. That's the next time he will fight. I'm putting that on record right now. So if you want to see Canelo again, you're going to have to wait about eight months. He ain't going to fight again until May. But people talking about he's declined, I think that's ridiculous. Um, he's still among the top 10 pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world. Uh, and if, if you can't see that, and by the way, me saying that is also complimenting Golovkin. Because a 40-year-old Golovkin, who has tons of wear and tear on his body, was able to be somewhat competitive with Canelo in a few rounds and, and make it interesting in the second half of the fight. He still clearly lost. It was a one-sided fight, but he actually took less punishment in this third fight than the rematch four years ago. So that shows improved defense from Golovkin. And he, he did fight defensive. He fought cautious. He only threw the jab. He didn't really start throwing power punches until the last third of the fight. Uh, didn't throw hardly enough power punches to be remotely close to winning the fight. I, I, you know, I, I see all that. Yes, I see those points. But he was still pretty damn competitive at 40 years old. Was one of the best fighters in the world. Certainly did better than the likes of Caleb Plant, Callum Smith, 
Billy Joe Saunders, right? Uh, that says a lot about the character of Gennady Golovkin as a fighter who still gets hated on to a ridiculous amount by, by idiots out there. So talks of Canelo's decline are ridiculous. Talks of Golovkin being exposed or something in this fight, equally ridiculous. <clears throat> okay. I think I saw some super chats. Yeah. A couple from uh, one from Sam here. Thank you, Sam. He said, you did not satisfy me on why they had a closed weigh in at 8 AM. Someone didn't make weight and it's a big deal for title fights. You know, Sam, the only reason I haven't really talked about that is because, uh, well, I was in Detroit at the time working and I, I wasn't there in Vegas, dude. I, I so I'm uncomfortable talking about something uh, that, where I wasn't there and I don't really have any inside information. You know, if I was there in Vegas, I would have been tweeting about that, posting about it nonstop. I wasn't there. I simply don't know what was going on, man. Uh, but if I was there, you know, I'd be knocking down doors, trying to figure out what happened. Um, my thing is, if somebody had issues making weight, an early weigh-in doesn't help them. If someone has issues making weight, if somebody wakes up at 7 a.m. and they got to make 168 and they're weighing 172, weighing in at 8 a.m. isn't going to help. Delaying the weigh-in to 2, 3 o'clock or something is going to help because they're going to be able to lose more weight. You know what I'm saying? So not making weight, I don't know about that. Um, as far as making the weigh-in earlier, kind of counterproductive if you're trying to shut off a few pounds, if you're having issues making weight. If there was a rehydration clause or something like that, an earlier weigh-in helps. And that's what happened when Golovkin fought Jacobs. It, it turns out Jacobs didn't even try uh, to make the weight or uh, the rehydration. But um, I've seen some shady stuff like that before. Um, yeah. So I could hear you on that. But in this particular case, I don't know how much there is to it. Omar Rodriguez, thank you so much for the super chat. He said, I saw Bams give him something that looked like Pedialyte. Is that legal? 100% legal. Pedialyte, 100% legal. I've seen uh, fighters chug it right after weigh-ins a thousand times. I've done it. Weigh-ins for my fights. I had to weigh 210 uh, for a fight last year. And I had to, you know, cut a little bit to do it. And my wife had a big old thing of Pedialyte for me and I killed it. I didn't want my opponent to see that shit. I went out to the car. I had it out in the car, completely legal, dude. It's, um, it, it's like, I don't know, a, a vitamin rich Gatorade. I, I don't know. It's just, there's sugars and stuff in it that make you feel better, but yeah, totally legal. Pedialyte's fine. <clears throat> Tim Sheehy says, heated reporter, still a legend in my book for asking the right question. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate it, brother. And Israel Kano with another super chat. Thank you, Israel. He says, who should Triple G fight next since he's a network free agent? Unifying with Charlo would be awesome. Yeah, apparently he's done with that zone deal, which is interesting because I thought he still had one more fight on that deal, but there must have been an option. So there's an example of what I was talking about earlier. People were talking about the six-fight deal and this, that, the other. He only fought five fights with the zone. So there must have been an option at the end of that contract to uh, to bow out early. So that's what he's doing. Uh, look, dude, yeah, if, if he ends up signing with PBC and we get to see Canelo versus the likes of, of Charlo and others, that'd be awesome. But Charlo brings nothing to the table other than a belt. Jaime Munguia is where they're going next because Jaime Munguia, you know, talking about international money that international revenue. 
Golovkin just fought in Japan. He is not opposed to fighting in Mexico. I could honestly see a fight between Golovkin and Munguia going down to Mexico City or something. Unless Vegas site fee, again, we're coming right, just we're coming full circle in this chat. Unless uh, Vegas, the MGM properties say, don't go down there. We'll give you guys $15 million to bring the Mexican whales up to the casino. And believe me, Mexico has a lot of rich people. I know the media in America doesn't report that. There's a lot of rich, really, really wealthy Mexicans that love coming up to Vegas and spending tons of money. Uh, so Vegas knows what they're doing when they market uh, to, to the Mexican base. They really, really do. So trust me, dude, you're going to get Golovkin Munguia way before Golovkin Charlo because it's more money for Golovkin, period. Let's see. Um, Charlo, by the way, his resume is dog shit. And his resume at 54 was okay. At 60, it's absolutely dog shit. He needs to get in the ring and fight somebody. He needs to build up his resume and create demand. Just like I'm saying about David Benavidez, at 168, he's got to get in the ring and fight somebody and create demand for Canelo. If Benavidez beat Durrell, uh, Saunders, Plant, those guys, and, and Morel, and established himself as the top challenge, that would be the equivalent to what Golovkin did in 2014, 2015, 2016, early 2017, to build himself up for the Golovkin fight. None of these other guys want to go through that process. It's a shame. But that's what you got to do. Sam with a super chat. He said a closed door weigh in helps hide the real weight. Sam, you're right. If you believe that all of the commission officials were in on this, because now you're going into Deontay Wilder esque territory. Um, the commission's still back there. Both fighters in their camps are still back there. If there is a closed door way in and Canelo got to go into a room and none of Golovkin's people were allowed to go back there and watch, and it was just Canelo and a commission official, believe me, Jonathan Banks, Gennady Golovkin, even the promoter, Eddie Hearn, would have had something to say about that. So if they're all behind closed doors, okay, I get that. Um, again, I don't know what the hell happened. I really don't. If you really want me to look into it, I can, but I really don't think it's a factor for the fight. It really doesn't matter because it had no bearing on the outcome of the fight. Um, but they're still all back there with the commission people, the doctors and both fighters and their teams. So if there's anything shady going on, you, you have to think that all these people are in on this scam. Why? Because if somebody missed weight, I mean, I, I didn't look at the fighters and see anybody that looked really, really bad in terms of um, their conditioning. Golovkin had a late fight surge. Canelo winded a little bit late, but not a whole lot. Um, I've seen guys struggle to make weight before, and I know the effects. I see how they look in the ring. We've, we've seen that, Sam. That's not what I saw in this particular fight. I don't know. But I can look into it. I could definitely look into it. <clears throat> Mike Mendiola says, Mike, he was given what looked like Pedialyte in the corner between rounds. As far as I know, Mendiola, that's, that's legal, dude. I, I, I believe you can drink. I, I 
you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe you could drink Gatorade and that kind of shit. If I'm wrong, correct me. Because again, if if something that big was going on, I think we'd be hearing about it from Golovkin's side. Golovkin has been very, very vocal about Canelo and performance-enhancing drugs and all this different stuff in the past. Carne asada, right? Tainted meat. He's been vocal for years, guys. So if there is some sort of possible illegal substance in the other corner, I think Golovkin would have said something. I think Jonathan Banks would have said something. No one's really said anything. So uh, as far as I know, everything was on the up and up. Golovkin's just 40 years old. Omar with another super chat. Okay, so Omar just said, I, I saw it being given between rounds in the corner. Yeah, as, as far as I know, man, um, as far as I know, that is uh, good to go. There's no problem. <clears throat> oh, interesting here. Russ Pettit says, Irislandi Lara was just mandated by one of the sanctioning bodies. Great. I'd love to see Golovkin versus Irislandi Lara. That'd be fun. Lara has slowed down enough himself to where uh, he's not going to run the whole fight. He won't be able to. And Golovkin has slowed down to a certain extent. That actually will be a much better fight than a lot of you guys think it will be. If that, if that ends up happening. Um, Ace says, uh, would Mungia give Triple G more guaranteed money than Charlo and Benavides from PBC? Yes. Yes, he would. Mungia is bigger in Mexico than Charlo and Benavides are in America. Period. End of story. And Golovkin won't have to split up uh, revenue with a promoter there. Uh, who is Mungia with? I think Mungia is Zan for promotions and Golden Boy. Golovkin can kind of do a one-off with them and uh, the international money would be there. The Mexican TV money would be pretty substantial. And um, yeah, they could, they could either go to Vegas for the site fee with that, which is of course what he'd do with Charlo and Benavidez. They go to Vegas, but with Munguia, they have that option or they could take it down to Mexico. He would absolutely get more money. Um, and again, you might see, I see what you're saying now, Ace, with your uh, guaranteed uh, word there in your comment. The media may report it differently, but they're not going to factor in the upside money and all that. I still think Mungia is a bigger financial fight for Golovkin right now than either Charlo or Benavides. Charlo and Benavides can change that if they built themselves up a little more. And I'm not trying to suggest that Mungia is some big name in America because he's clearly not, but he's a bigger name in Mexico then Charlo and Benavidez are in America. So when you whack up the international money, right, and then the fact that Golovkin brings a certain amount of beef with him uh, with, in, in the international market, um, and then the site fee and all that, I think Mungia is the bigger financial draw, and that's the fight you're going to see first. Shadow Combat says, people complaining about Pedialyte. Yeah, dude, I, look, people... I think it's a couple things. Golovkin fans are pissed off about what happened in the first fight and they're pissed off that they lost this fight so clearly. And people are trying to reach for ways to, I guess, ease the blow to their, to their heart. You know, they just took a hit to the heart and they're trying to find ways to ease that pain. Also, there's the conspiracy element of this. Um, conspiracies stem from people having a difficult time explaining things. It's very difficult for some people to rationalize that, uh, you know, a, a group of 
losers hijacked airplanes and flew them into the World Trade Center. It's hard for people to rationalize that a complete degenerate loser, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, shot the president of the United States. It's difficult for some people to rationalize that after two really good all-time great middleweight championship fights between Canelo and Golovkin, we got a bit of a dud in the third fight. So people got to try to find ways to rationalize and explain this stuff instead of just accepting that life is fucking random. <clears throat> Believe me, I call shit out when there's something to call out. But the Pedialyte thing, I don't think there's really anything there, guys. <clears throat> Sam A with another super chat. Thank you so much. He said, too much money for a guy to be overweight. Sam, if, if Canelo came in at 170, this fight still would have went through. There's no way Golovkin would have been like, dude. Okay, I'll, I'll say this. Let's say Canelo came in at 170. Let's say they didn't want that reported to the media. Let's say Canelo told Golovkin, I'll give you $5 million more dollars if you let me come in at 169 and a half. I'll go shave off half a pound. How's that work for you? And they made a backroom deal. Could that have happened? Yes. Have we seen that happen? <clears throat> Mayweather <clears throat> Marquez. Yeah, we've seen that happen. So could that have happened here? If there's any conspiracy that I will give an inch to that you guys have brought up this week, that's the one. Sure, I could see that. But again, I reiterate, had zero bearing on the fight. Zero. Canelo was going to win this fight no matter what. If these guys fight again in three months, Canelo beats Golovkin again. Guess what? It'll still go the distance. There will still be no knockdowns. It'll be an even slower fight the fourth time around. But Canelo will still win. Guys, that's just where we're at. One of these guys is 40. One of them's 32. If Canelo had a shaky chin, if he could be hurt, if he was a guy that was vulnerable in that way, I'd have a different opinion. <clears throat> Mignola says Pedialyte is not legal, uh, at least in California. As far as I know, in Vegas, it's good to go, from what I've been told. Yeah, and Soapboxing Podcast uh, said in Vegas, uh, Soapboxing Podcast, sorry, said in Vegas it's legal. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I've seen fighters chugging Pedialyte before in Nevada. Guys, there's just nothing there. <clears throat> Okay, Jack Alter right here in the chat says that uh, he just he just looked it up and validated that Pedialyte and Gatorade are good to go in Nevada. There we go, guys. Let's put that one to bed. Let's move on. Let's move on. And, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, Mindiola says that here in Cali, only water is allowed. And you know what? That's probably the way it should be, Mike. It's probably the way it should be, Paisan. But it's legal in Nevada. <clears throat> Sam A with another one. He says, I filmed Bennett moving the scale for the first fight. That's why they used an electric scale in the second fight. Asked Steve Kim. I remember that, Sam. I remember that. I absolutely remember that. Uh, by the way, all these scales should be digital now. They should not be using scales from 1950. I don't know why they still had that scale for the first fight. They should all be digital. But again, dude, on that stage, there's literally like 20 people sometimes. If somebody got on that scale and it said 168.5, I, I, 
I regularly see dudes. Let's go back and watch that film, Sam. I'd like to see, because I remember exactly what you're talking about. I remember you bringing that up before. Um, and believe me, I ripped Bob after that first fight. So give me my props, man. But um, I want to say Abel Sanchez and everybody was right there looking down at the scale. Right there, right? It's not like they were, like, weren't even looking. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. All right. Sam with another one. He says, but by rule, you have to make weight for the belts. 100% correct. But Sam, I could tell you there was one particular fighter in California, I've talked about this before, who ended up getting a WBC belt, not necessarily by winning it in the ring. That's all I'll say about it. Um, I won't say how they got it, but they were um, going for an interim belt. And I know they didn't make weight. I've been told by the people who were there that he did not make weight. But a backroom deal was done, and this person did not make their seven-day weigh-in check. A backroom deal was done to look the other way. Uh, some ducats were, were thrown out to the opponent, to certain parties, and it was all good. This person has made weight since. But this one particular instance where it was an interim version of the belt that later on became a full version. You guys probably know where I'm going. I'm not naming names though. They did not make weight for that fight, but it was allowed. These things happen. Deed three, four, four, zero with the super chat. Thank you so much. Deed. Appreciate it, brother. He says kind of wish triple G moved up to 168 years ago. I understand that Koto and Canelo were there at the time. I don't know, bro. Like, to me, Golovkin didn't look good at 168. He looked kind of bloated and soft. I think he's a natural 160. I think he looked way better physically for the Murata fight than he looked for this Canelo fight. He could still make 160. He's better there. His, his power carries more there. Um, I, I just think he's going to have more success staying at 160. There is really no juice at 168, dude. All the names were at 160 at the time. Um, there really isn't any more right now. But other than Canelo, who are the names at 168? Who are the names? Are guys like uh, Benavidez and Morel any more popular than Munguia? No, they're not. So if he if 60, he can still make it comfortably. And I know for a fact that he can. And he's stronger there. I think he should stay at 60. Plus, dude, he's got two belts there. He still has two belts there. Okay, let's take a couple quick calls here. Uh, we got Jack on the line. I know he's been dying to talk. And we got Mindiolo after this. All right, so let's let's this will be two interesting calls. Let's let's get to these real quick. Guys, stay on the line. Um, okay, Jack. Yeah, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. Good. You already know I'm going to talk about Vegas. I'll try and be quick and not get down to all the details. But first off, I wanted to say um, the fight doctor, he's talking, he always calls Golovkin bum lovekin, like calls him like not even a top 20 middleweight. Dude, if that, you should come to the fights and try saying that to me or Mike's face. And we'll beat the shit out of you, bro. That's disrespectful as hell. Don't be saying that shit. I'm serious, bro. Fight doctor, you're a fucking loser, bro. But, uh, yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Like, you can seriously block that loser. Like, he's just a jackass. But, um, I, look, look so I, I will say this, if I can respond to that. Um, I'm not going to fight anybody over this shit unless they throw a first punch. Then I'll knock their teeth down their fucking throat. However, I welcome... <laughs> 
I welcome difference of opinion here. Fight Doctor is a hateful, hateful human being. Um, and he really has a hard on for Gennady Golovkin, but he's allowed to express his opinion here. Now, if he crosses a line, then then I'll block him. You know, there's certain things I won't tolerate, but him hating Golovkin, he's allowed to do that, bro. He's allowed to do that. <clears throat> Well, I'll just joke about you, but if he, he says that shit to my face, we're going to have a problem disrespecting a legend like I, that. I want the ref but, to um, fight. If you two guys fight, I want to ref that shit. We should have it on the YouTube channel. That'd be a fun fucking fight. There's a pay-per-view, guys. $1.99, Jack versus the fight doctor. Let's do it. Anyway, Jack, I'll shut up. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> you got me. You got me, right? You got me, right, Mike? I think I'm going to put some money on you. I think I'm going to put some money on Jack with the okay. bookies. Okay. <clears throat> Yeah, okay, so, um, yeah, so Vegas, uh, met Anthony there, super nice guy, so when I first got there, I got my, I went right off the plane to the weigh-in, and there was so many Mexican fans, dude, it was incredible how many Mexicans there was there, um, there was a bunch of people, I just wasn't used to the atmosphere, the atmosphere was awesome, so after the weigh-in, I went to In-N-Out with Anthony, I got what you told me, uh, you and, what, Kit, you told, you said a tip says to get blah, blah, blah. I got the animal fries yeah. and all that other stuff. Yeah. In and out was great. Dude, I wish it was in the East Coast. Like I know, man. I, I really do wish it was. It's got to eventually come out here. But yeah, man, um, I wish it, I miss In and Out. I really do. Yeah. Uh, whatchamacallit? Someone said, uh, I got Golovkin. It, yeah, the fight doctor gets stopped in half a round. Then, uh, yeah, dude, he didn't even say anything. He hasn't responded yet. He's a bitch. But, um, yeah, okay, so after the uh, – Anthony was super chill. Then uh, I went to bed. Uh, I did some other stuff, too, just chilled in the hotel room. Then fight day, I went to the boxing convention, and uh, there was, like, an hour line for, like, Roy Jones, uh, Rolly Romero, David Benavidez. Did you see the picture I got with David Benavidez? Yeah, yeah, it was a good shot, man. Yeah, dude, David Benavidez was a super nice guy. Have you ever met him? Um – Actually, no, I haven't met David Benavides, but I heard he's a super yeah, cool guy. Haven't? Yeah, no, I don't think I have. I don't Dude, think I have. He talked to me like he's known me for like 10 years. He was so personable. Like, That's the first cool. thing I said was, uh, just like I'm a big fan. Then he said, um, hey, I appreciate you coming out, bro. And he talks like he does in all the interviews. And then I asked him about Lemieux. I said, Was Lemieux a hard puncher? He's like, Here's the thing, bro. He was like, His fists were heavy, and he was like, and he just threw a hard whole bunch of shots it was kind of weird the way he explained it but david benavides was a super chill guy like really really nice and uh so i left because you know the lines were so long and on the way out ordering an uber my dad said is that roly romero because roly hadn't gotten there yet i said oh shit roly come here <laughs> and i got a picture with roly i saw that like one nice too yeah surprise yeah because i thought um because i yeah i thought um that you know roll uh I forgot what I was about to say. Anthony said I wanted to tell Benavidez that Jack is going for Lemieux. I was like, please don't, bro. Like, please don't, because I, I picked Lemieux to beat Benavidez. I remember that. And uh, yeah. I was like, don't say that. He's like, during the picture, bro, I should just tell him, be like, this guy picked Lemieux to beat you. And I was like, please don't do that. <laughs> but um, Anthony, oh, he was there with me. Uh, just super chill guy. And, um, yeah, then on to the fight. Man, there wasn't, like, any entertaining fights on the night. It was really disappointing, but I love the atmosphere. Um, when we get to the main event, as soon as the fight started, it, the first round kind of looked like uh, – I noticed that something was a little off 
uh, with Golovkin. But I don't care what anyone says. That first round was tight. It was tight. Uh, I could I could see you giving it to Golovkin. Um, I don't know if you remember round by round, but uh, and call me a triple D lover for giving him one of the first uh, rounds. But round one, uh, Golovkin, I felt you could definitely give it to him. Round two was more like another swing round, and then Canelo won three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, and then Golovkin came back and won like 9, 10, 11, 12. Dude, I could see that fight a draw. L- listen, don't don't say anything first. Rounds one and two, if you rewatch round two, it was pretty close. They watched 9, 10, 11, and 12. Golovkin made a big comeback. I know you're smiling, like laughing, but dude, I'm telling you, rewatch that fight. Canelo won, but it was close. I noticed people saying it was a shutout. It was like 12-0. It was not. It was a closer fight than some assholes are saying. Like, I heard people say it was 12-0. Yeah, it Literally, wasn't 12-0. Canelo. It was not 12-0. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, so anywhere from 6-6 to 8-4 Canelo, in my opinion. Uh, I'm doing a punch count. I'll let you know what it is in the end. Um, it was disappointing. Uh, I don't know if it was fixed. Um, like I said, I know you're like, it wasn't fixed bullshit. It was weird. Uh, I'm not going to comment on it. I, I don't know. But um, it was disappointing. But I was happy to see them, like, hugging each other after the fight and seeing all that. Um, you know, Golovkin's my boy. But, um, you know, man, uh, it was just a sad night. But then I went home. Um, I slept on it. And I was like, you know what? That was a – I think a bunch of Canelo fans came at me. They are like, see, Golovkin dominated him. And I was like, bro, he, he didn't. He didn't. It was competitive. Like, get the fuck out of here. It was like 8-4 or 7-5 Canelo. Like, bro, come on now. Um, but, yeah, it was sad to see Golovkin. And I don't know if you remember, but I said for the predictions for Triple G Canelo 3, um, I said I wanted to see Lara afterwards, after Lara uh, Golovkin, after Canelo. And, look, that fight is arguably going to happen because it's a mandatory. And yeah. uh, what do you think about that fight now? I still think Golovkin mm-hmm. stops him, but it's a, it's a fun fight. I think it's a distance fight. <clears throat> I think it's a distance fight, and because both guys have slowed down, uh, it's going to make it more entertaining than it had happened five years ago. It would have been Lara running and Golovkin wearing him down and stopping him. But now um, because of where, where both guys are at, I think it's actually going to be a fun fight, dude. I think it's going to have a lot more action than what we just saw last Saturday. I like Golovkin by decision in that fight. But remember the whole time um Golovkin whenever he threw his jab he's so inactive he still snapped Canelo's head back a lot of times like yeah. you you know that and he lands some pretty big punches yeah. Lara's defense is not nearly good as Canelo it's not nearly as good as, as Canelo and uh yeah Timmy Turner didn't Lara get stopped by Hurd no he arguably beat Hurd it was 114 113 and the thing uh, with Lara knocked him down Lara's got super long arms super long arms man um and it's going to be Golovkin's going to have to jab his way in and Lara will touch him on the way in it. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a good fight. Okay. Then uh, two more things I want to talk about uh, other Golovkin fights. So uh, after seeing Munguia get touched up and like hurt by the Kelly guy and get beat up in every one of his fights, I still think Golovkin will beat him. It might be a decision, but that should be, uh, it might be competitive too, but Golovkin should get that one. Would you agree? I need to think about it more, but right now I would shade Golovkin by decision. Yeah. Tough. It's going to be a brutal fight though. It, it might look like the Derevianchenko fight a, a, a little bit, not in terms of styles, but in terms of the wear and tear. Yeah. Then uh, Charlo Golovkin, I think that's really good, but 
dude, Charlo's looked like ass lately. Like, he was hurt by Montiel. And uh, he has a really good chin, so I'd take Golovkin decision. Uh, yeah, but I, I still want to see Golovkin have a few fights and retire. Yeah, I'm with you. He, he's two or three more than he needs to hang him up. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Well, that's my uh, that's my call, Mike. <laughs> that's my nacho. Uh, <laughs> <All right. laughs> that's my call, Mike. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, right, bro. Peace out. <laughs> Peace. Yeah. Uh, a couple super chats here. Drew says uh, Canelo Triple G did a bigger gate than Fury Wilder two and Fury Wilder three million pay per view buys, but Dan Raphael put out a bogus number for MGM Grand buffet passes. <laughs> uh, those are Drew's words, not mine. But I will say, yeah, a- again, the reporting for Fury and Wilder versus Canelo Triple G, it's it just there's a difference in tone. There's just a difference in tone. It's very interesting. Obviously, the fight between um, the third fight between Fury and Wilder, much more entertaining than the third fight between Canelo and Golovkin, you know. And and so I could see why, in that sense, the reporting would be more favorable for Fury Wilder, even though it was a very one-sided fight after the first few rounds, even more one-sided than Canelo Golovkin. Both guys had success early on. Both guys got dropped. A Fury was put down once legitimately. The other one was kind of a push. But uh, because of that two-way action and them being heavyweights and everything, I could see why, you know, people uh, definitely prefer that fight. It was way more entertaining for sure. So there's that. But in terms, again, of like the gate, the buys, and then the global viewership numbers, yeah, dude, it's, it's really not close. Anthony Santiago with the super chat. He says, I wanted to tell David Benavidez that Jack Alter was going for David Lemieux. Yeah, he told us that in the call. That would have been funny, dude. You should have did it. And honestly, David probably would have been like, oh, it's all good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, he probably would have been cool with it. Fighters get it. Like, smart fighters get it. Well, I think it was at Errol Spence's fight with Mikey Garcia in the post-fight presser there in Dallas. And my boy Steve Kim was there. He asked Errol Spence a question. Errol goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you picked Mikey Garcia to beat me. And everybody laughed. But so did Errol. And it showed that Errol Spence was cool about it. And he was, um, you know, it's not like he was holding a grudge. And Steve, to his credit, laughed and said, yeah, I did. And, you know, it was was just this fun kind of moment. It wasn't like an anger-filled moment. So fighters are really cool about shit like that for the most part. Oh, we got some uh, dating site app or something or other here in the comments. Why they, they always do that on these videos. Did, does anyone really click on that shit? Does it work? All right, back to the phones we go. Let's do a couple more of these. And then I got to go here in a little bit, but I'll get as many of these as I can. We're going to go to Chicago 312. What's up? You're on the show. Yo. Fight Doctor is in the house on Rick James status as always. Fight Doctor, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just wanted to make a few comments um, directed to the uh, head cheerleader of the bum-loving, bum nut-hugging <laughs> crowd who made those stupid, asinine comments. Listen, dude, um, <clears throat> Mr. Jack Neoff or whatever the fuck your name is, dude, you could never hit me in my mouth because in order to do that, you would need to come to the South Side, a place that bitch-ass motherfuckers like you never go. 
it's easy to sit there in your mother's basement and talk shit. Calling out the devil is one thing. Facing him is something else. Now, here's what I'm going to do for you, Mr. Um, uh, Nuthugger, cheerleader. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me or are you talking to this? I'm talking. I'm talking to Mr. Jack me off or whatever oh. the fuck his name is, your previous caller, who was talking about what he was going to do to me, right? Listen, we can find an MMA gym on the south side of Chicago somewhere. I know you're not coming because a bitch like you would never set foot on the south side of Chicago, a place where I grew up. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I was just, at, real by the way, I got, I got to interject real quick, Fight Doctor. I was just on the south side. I was in uh, Chicago in July. We hung out on the south side, had some food, checked out the White Sox game. I hung out with some friends down there. It's actually not as bad of a neighborhood yeah, as well, the media makes it out to be. There's some good people down there, some great people. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, well, did you go to Inglewood? No. You t- you're talking about Inglewood there right, right. now. Yes, Inglewood in the Inglewood neighborhood of South Side of Chicago. Yes, so you didn't go there. So why would I go like there? Like the rough side of South Side, South Side, exactly, right? Because people like you don't go to 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 the real South Side of Chicago. People like Mr. Jack me off. Don't go now. To fight the real- doctor's gone because fight doctor there. You crossed the line. Fight doctor, if you know anything about me and where I grew up, and what I've been through, and where my family's from then you'd know that what you just said was really fucking stupid. People like me, what's that supposed to mean? Now you piss me off. I'll allow you to make up for that in the fucking chat, but I ain't going to tolerate that fucking nonsense. Not to me. You want to talk shit to somebody else who was talking shit to you? That's fine. Not to me, my friend. I just got back from Detroit where I grew up visiting friends and family there. And um, you're not going to disrespect me like that on my show. I'm going to choose not to get very mad and violent right now. But you crossed the line. You can make it up. I'll allow you to make that up. But you better not meet me in person without making that up. 415, you're on the show. What's up? Mike, what's good? It's your boy, Luis. How you doing, Luis? What's up, man? Doing pretty good, man. <laughs> that was just kind of awkward, uh, the last one. Yeah, so hard to follow kinda, that, right? Um, hard to follow I, that. Yeah, no, no. I, let me just uh, just sign a little something to it and get to the real, you know, what this show is about is the boxing. But, oh, boy, the youngster who call the time, he do be, you know, off the wall dick riding a little too hard. So I kind of feel the anger because, Sometimes I kind of be feeling that way too, and for him to say this, it could have possibly been a draw. Like, come on, bro, what the fuck is he? What are you watching? What, I mean, what are you really doing? But anyway, um, back to the topic. I was kind of feeling like how you broke it down yesterday was like ideal. Like everything that you were saying, I was like, damn, he's nailing it. As far as the whole comparison with the Teofimo and the um, and the Loma fight, so where we found out that Loma turned out that he had a you know a bad choke shoulder uh, problem, he had to get surgery right after, where, you know, he kind of didn't want to blow his shoulder out too early, and then when he started turning on, it started being a little more competitive. Of course, that fight was a lot more competitive than this um, Canelo uh, Triple G3. I, I, I myself had it 9-3. I mean, 9-3. Yeah, 9-3. Yeah. Gave, gave Golovkin the first. Maybe maybe 11th and the ninth, if that. That's exactly was, how I saw it. That's exactly how I scored it. Yeah. 
super one side. Like, I'm telling you, bro, like, you was in my head yesterday. When I was hearing the show, I'm like, damn, <laughs> really saying all the shit I was thinking. As far as, yeah, for, for real, though, real talk. Like, how um, how his body looked soft, you know, looking kind of bloated and shit. Like, he did not look good at 168. I would have thought he came in uh, bulkier, you know, lo- looking good. But it's crazy how those eight pounds, it's not a lot, but it's, it, it's a lot. You know, if you know Especially what I mean? Especially at 40, man. Especially at 40. Right, Right, right. Now let me tell you this: what I think. I don't know if you might, how you might take it, but no, no, no there's no disrespect for nothing at all. Just to give you heads up, because I know you're kind of hot right now. <laughs> I'm but, good, uh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Canelo, I think Canelo. <laughs> I think Canelo should take the uh, honestly, and he is well deserved for him. I think he should honestly take the money Mayweather route at this point in his life, because he has been a super active, the most active champion that. We have had in any weight class in I don't know how long. Like, you know, active champions, we're lucky we see them twice a year. You know what I mean? Most of these motherfuckers fight once a year on some yeah. lazy ass shit. You know what I mean? Just when they need some more money. Yeah. And it's kind of bullshit because the, the biggest fighter in the game who has been again, uh, the biggest fighter for uh, quite a few uh, years now was Canelo. And he was the most active one. So I kind of feel like he, he kind of deserves to let his body heal because of course, uh, that uh, uh, wrist uh, injury he was talking about. But it's not even just that. It's just the, so much of, not the fight, but, I mean, by you being in the game for so many years, you could um, allude to a little better than I can as far as the training camps, the sparring, the waking up, the the, the, the diet. Like, all that shit is fucking. We got to think about it. He's a 32, but he's an old 32. Yeah. He started professional as a, as a kid. And I mean, even though he was fighting, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Taco Man and shit in, in Mexico, <laughs> there was still fights. You know right. what I mean? They're still fucking grown, grown ass men. And I'm a Latino, so you know what I mean? I can say that, you know, far from being racist. You know, I'm Hispanic. <laughs> but, um, like, it's, 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 it's like the, the, the dude deserves it, though. Honestly, he should. Honestly, they can't all for those belts because I kind of didn't feel like it was appropriate that Triple G never fighting at 68, getting that crack and disputed. Like, you know how many 168-pounders was fucking fuming at the, at, the, at the head, at the heart about that shit? Like, they worked their whole life to get to a title opportunity, let alone undisputed. And this guy who just cut in front of the line and gets a crack at undisputed, that's, that's, that's history, you know? That's mm-hmm. history. I mean, Canelo's the person, only person to do it. So I feel like he should say, fuck all the 168-pounders and y'all go collect these belts the way I did. I'm not going to just get one of you motherfuckers a crack at the undisputed at one shot, kind of with Loma. I'm excuse me, what uh, Haney just did with Cambosa. Mm-hmm. And then Haney didn't even get his 35-pound belt, really. You know what I mean? He got, he got that shit emailed to him. He fought a fucking nobody, a ranked double-digit fighter to get that uh, intern belt. But what, what's your thought about that as far as letting Canelo, you know, basically not retire, but, you know, go into the just pay-per-view route, just fight who you want to fight or what you want to fight for, when you want to fight and what you be Cinco de Mayo in uh, September, the Mexican Independence Day, and, and, and just buy that career out like that. Because, I mean, you're already a four-division champ. I can't understand you want to fight the ball. But at this point, that's your body heal, bro. Like, you did what you needed to do. You became a disputed. You went for greatness uh, up in another weight class. Don't just give uh, uh, one of these upcoming fighters, how you say all the time, though, Mike. These, these guys don't want to fight each other. Mm-hmm. So they all trying to get in line to fight, too. So, you know, fuck these motherfuckers, drop them belts, make everybody else earn them, and you fight who the fuck you want to fight, who you could get paid the most for, because he's going to take the hardest challenge. He's not going to fight, you know, a fucking dog gorilla or nothing, you know? 
Yeah, I think um, I, I agree with you. I mean, again, he ain't going to fight till next May. And I think that he really wants Bivol. If he does fight Bivol again and loses, let, let's assume Bivol beats Zerto, which is no guarantee because Zerto's tough. But if he, if he does and Canelo fights him and loses again, he's still undisputed super middleweight champ. So it's kind of like what Golovkin just did against Canelo. There's really no losing. You're going to make a ton of money. And if, you know, if you lose, you get to say, well, 175 is just too big for me. After that, I agree with you. Kind of go the Floyd route. And I think that's what he's going to do, man. He, he's going to um, pull back a little bit and be really selective in his matchmaking um, because he can. And he's going to be in the twilight of his career. Mike, yeah. So, yeah. Disagree, Mike. He deserves it, Mike. Like, real, real recognize real. Like, the, the kid deserves it, bro. He's 32 years old, everything he did, and he's still taking on his challenges. Like, why not? Like, fucking, I mean, I mean, Floyd wasn't undisputed when he started doing when he got that Showtime deal. I, I want to say he was 32 on his first fight with the, the with that six-fight Showtime deal when he fought uh, Guerrero. And he got a crack at Guerrero, and Guerrero had just uh, got the belt. Or right. it was a uh, vacant belt. I can't remember what it was, but probably you, you, you recall what I'm shit. saying, though. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and he fought whoever he wanted to fight. Yeah, you know one thing I was noticing, too? When Floyd fought Manny, right, he, that, that was for three out of the four titles. That was damn near undisputed when they fought. He had the WBA, WBC, and Pac had the WBO. And he, Floyd wouldn't find mandatory or uh, up the rank because he was established. Canelo could do the same shit, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you, man. He probably but, could. Um, he really probably could. Yes. But th- thanks for your time, Mike. You know, I'm sorry if I went on a little too long, but, you know I mean? We're just looking forward to talking to you yesterday. I didn't get a chance. To no, it's all good, man. Today, it's great points, brother. Great points. Keep up the good uh, keep up the good show, bro, and I'll be listening. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, later. All right. There he goes. USC Trojan Zone says Fight Doctor has, exposed, has been exposed multiple times on different boxing podcasts as a full-on PBC dick rider who is a racist. Typical guy who kept screaming at Triple G, Duct Ward, shake my head, dude is a R-word. <clears throat> Look, Fight Doctor, I see you in the chat, man. Um, if you want to call back in to clarify what you were saying a minute ago, because you obviously either don't know my story, um, you're you're ignorant, which, I mean, you, the fact that you assume something based upon my appearance tells me that you're an ignorant kind of person. I'm really trying to work with you here, dude, and give you an opportunity to clean this shit up. I can just ban you, but I'm trying to work with you. Uh, if you want to take back some of the things you said and explain what you meant by people like me, when you don't know a fucking thing about me and my family, um, I for all the things you said, bro, I didn't say people like you. I didn't say you people or anything like you've been on here calling Gennady Golovkin bum Lovekin. And I'm critical of fighters. I'm critical of different fighters out there, but I I don't use words like bum to describe them and things like that. And I would never say people like you are not going to do this or people like you, like I I haven't described you that way. So for you to call in when I've been pretty cool to you, you've called in before and I, I let you kind of rant and get off and, and you say some really nasty shit, bro. You really do. And I've been pretty cool to you. So to throw that shit at me, that's fucked up. I'm not going to tolerate that. I'm sick of like being Mr. Nice Guy. Um, if you say something that's true, okay. But if you're throwing some nasty shit out that ain't even fucking true 
or it's based in something hateful, not going to tolerate it, man. Not going to tolerate it. <clears throat> All right. We're running up at like 90 minutes, guys. Uh, and I got, man, I got a bunch of guys. I'm not going to get to all these calls, but I see Sam calling. Let me get to Sam. Hang on, Sam. Let me get your call. Cause I know you've been on hold. Sam, what's up, man? Um, Hello? yeah, Sam, how's it going, bro? Man, I miss you. My guy ain't seen you in years. I know, um, man. I know. I, yeah. I've, earned, I've earned a phone call. I blew all my credit cards. That's what I was saying, man. <laughs> you, you've been a great supporter of the show. Yeah. and, and nah, yeah. So we go way back. So I just wanted to make sure I got your call on here real quick. How you been, man? I, I, I like the I, – I've been struggling a little bit with his back, with his back surgeries and stuff, but – um. At least I get a handicap seat at the fight, so it gives me a. That's cool, man. Right in front of uh, silver right lining and everything, man. Uh, they treat you good, you know, when when you're like that. But uh, I just want to get into a couple of things about the fight. Um, first of all, it's Dan Raciel. You keep saying Raciel is not Spanish, not to be a dick, but he'll tell you that. Oh, Raciel. Honestly, right? I don't know, man. I've talked to Dan Raciel like three times in my life, and it was all of five minutes. I know, but he was. Okay, um, second of all, to say that there was not a another good fight, that Bam Rodriguez fight was a fight of the year candidate, believe me. If that guy could punch a little harder, there might have been a knockout in that fight. That little Mexican guy, he was phenomenal. I mean, yeah. they didn't expect that. He fought very That was well. the fight of the night. Um, also, um, the night before the fight, I saw Jose Benavides Sr., and I said, what do you think about the fight? And he said, I heard Canelo had a, another surgery on that knee, and it's real sore. So I said, hmm, nobody's saying anything about that. And then one of my friends who knows, he's a Spanish guy, and I'm not going to mention his name, he knows all the promoters and stuff. He said, uh, yeah, they're going to have an early closed door way in at 8 o'clock. And, I mean, it just it just sounds to me like maybe Canelo was a little overweight. and they don't. I mean, if I'm going to I'm not going to cancel the fight over a couple of times, like he said. So... They don't want to see that on the scale. So if they do it closed doors, they could agree to what they, you know. And I'm fine with it. I don't think it matters in the fight. I just, that's all I was trying to say, is to have a closed door weigh-in like that, you know, because if one guy's overweight and they're going to say, well, the belt's on the line, it's going to ruin you. have to go cut the weight, you know. So that's the only thing that comes to mind like that, right? Yeah, I feel you. On the, yeah, that that I agree on. And then just for the fact that, like, this fight was such a big fight, and there were a lot of people there who wanted to go to the weigh-in and they weren't allowed to like, that's, that's really shitty. Um, I gotta be honest with you, dude. I didn't even know they did that until you told me, cause I just wasn't paying attention. I was in Detroit visiting with people and working and stuff. So I didn't even pay attention to the weigh-in or any of that. I didn't even know until you told me. And that's, what's really bad. It means nobody in the media talked about that. I don't think they knew it. My friend uh, is real good friends with uh, Paco and all, all the Spanish promoters. All of, And he told me, he was, he was actually staying with me. I had an extra bed. I said, just stay with me. It was crazy, you know, for the rooms. And uh, he told me, because yeah, they're, they're having a closed door weigh-in at 8 in the morning. Because that weigh-in late in the day is going to be fake. You know, which basically just to, you know, let people look like, okay, they're at a weigh-in. Mm. But um, it just tells me, me, because this isn't the first time. Getting back to when I took the, the film, I didn't even know it when I took the film, okay? I got home after the first fight, and I kept seeing in the comments, Canelo didn't make weight. So if you watch the film, 
He puts it on 160. Golovkin makes 160. He leaves it there. Then he walks away. For some reason, my camera called him, come back, and he moves the little dial about two, two or three notches to the left. Canelo gets on, he goes 160, and he slams it to zero. And I'm like, that did not look good. You know, so that tells me Canelo probably didn't make way for that one either. But they're not going to cancel the fight over that, right? Yeah, they're not going to cancel the fight like that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. They're not going to cancel the fight. And it's really up to Golovkin's handlers to um, protect him. You know, and I remember telling Tom Loeffler that because I was like, you know, Tom, um, you guys are going up against Vegas judges. You know, and he felt confident. So Abel Sanchez and like, I'm like, Adelaide Bird is one of these judges. Like, what, what's up, man? Because you can protest and you could say, we don't want that person judging our fight. And they were just cool with everything. And I thought that top to bottom, they could have did a little bit better of a job protecting Golovkin in that situation. Uh, and I do remember that thing with the scale. It was really, really shady. It was. And the last thing is the fight itself real quick. If, if you remember the second fight, we were there. Golovkin took 45 body shots that would have knocked out anybody. He took uppercuts, took his face was busted up, and he still had the strength to come back and almost win the fight. What bothers me is this time he didn't get touched up at all. He just, he just, you know, he, he kept his distance. I don't think Canelo landed two body shots. And yeah. why didn't he have? I know he's 40. I know he's 40, but I heard I heard uh, Abel Sanchez say. He stays in shape year round. Four, I don't think it's the age. He said he thinks it's just the way he trained. Like they trained him so much to box, he didn't know when to pull the trigger. You know, and, and he, I mean, I'm telling you, Canelo was gas. After the match, on the big screen, I'm like, go for it. And it just wasn't there. I just, I mean, we don't leave it up to the judges in Vegas against this guy. Yeah, he, he never, look, Golovkin did not go for broke. And you would think that at some point he would. He was overly cautious, and it seemed that in the end, he was kind of content going to the cards and losing the fight. That's just how it looked. And exactly. Just, when you got a guy that's made the kind of money Golovkin has with the kind of business that he still has remaining, um, that's just the mentality that takes hold. And, and it's difficult for some people to accept, but Sam, you and I, we, we've seen this before. We've seen this 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 act play out before it, it glove not the first guy um there's many examples we could point to but i'm with you man like that's what i saw that's what i saw i mean that was your chance to knock this guy out and he was right there right for the picking and he just he just didn't make the attempt that's what bothered me i don't i don't say that it was fixed i just bothered me it could have been a great finish if he had just stuck it you know walk the plank a little bit you know Ultimately, he didn't do that because he was afraid of what was going to come back at him. That's why he didn't do it. I don't think, I mean, Golovkin obviously didn't go there to lose, right? He was um, he was on edge all week. I remember he had the locker room door shut, wouldn't let media in there on fight night. He wanted to win. It's just when you're an older guy and you can't pull the trigger the way you used to, it's either because you physically can't do it or because you are um, – not afraid of what's coming back, but you're like timid. And to me, that's what I saw. I, I just thought, you know, he looks like a guy that doesn't want to get hit with that big shot. And last thing, as far as Canelo, I think his joints are, are going to start bothering him the next few years. From the roids and, like I said, two knee surgeries and it's still bothering him. I think he's going to have problems with those knees. 
I could see, yeah, I could end up almost uh, breaking down kind of like Sergio Martinez did the way his knees really start breaking down. All right, well, have a good one. Thanks a lot. I'll you too, brother. To you. Good to hear from you, man. All right, there he goes, guys. Uh, we're running up at 90 minutes. <sighs> I didn't want to go more than an hour today, <laughs> but here we are, 90 minutes. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Interesting show, to say the least. But um, by the way, um, I prefer for listeners of the show to not be fighting with each other. So Jack and Fight Doctor, I'd actually prefer you guys don't fight. Uh, can't we all just get along? But seriously, um, anyway, guys, have, have a great rest of your week. We'll do TNC uh, Monday. I'm going to be uh, traveling this weekend with, uh, with my wife. So I'll be back. Uh, no Friday wrap-up, but we'll do TNC Monday. I'll see you guys then. All right, peace.